Father, this morning, as been prayed, we just say amen and pray that you bless your word and anoint it. Give his ears to hear, hearts that are open, that your name and your son would be glorified through the preaching of your word wherever the book is opened and is proclaimed. Anoint your word, we pray, O God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. This is the second part of God's divine mandate, the eternal purpose of God. And God's revealing his purpose through his son, Jesus Christ. And this morning we'll look at this second part and we're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. Last week we looked at the Lamb and God's eternal purpose in the Lamb. God's plan before time began, before the earth, before creation. God had an eternal purpose and plan. Remember Peter tells us who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifest in these last times for us. Before there was a world, there is God. After there is a world, there is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's a lamb. Praise the Lord. There's a lamb on the throne this morning. Jesus said these words in John 17 and 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast givest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And so we know that Jesus finished the work that he had been sent to do, the mandate or the commission in eternal God. Christ came and finished that work. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, God, who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he, had, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He finished the work. Jesus told us in our reading that the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, there are different titles for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and the Comforter, and there are others. But he tells us that the Spirit of Truth would come. In John chapter 7, if you turn back to John chapter 7, verse 37, we know the verses very well here, John 7 and 37. In the last day, in the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The verse 39 says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He has sat down, this is Christ, at the right hand of the majesty on high, he is glorified. Christ has finished the work. And he said 
that when he's glorified, he would give us or send us the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. If you turn to John 14, just a few verses I'd like to read with you this morning. John chapter 14 and verse 16. These are the words of Jesus. He said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Turn to verse 25 of the same chapter. Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, being present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Turn over to chapter 15 and verse 26. 15 and 26, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. If you turn over to our reading again, please, just to read it one more time. John 16 and 13, Jesus said, How be it he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He'll bring the revelation, the prophetic revelation of the future. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine he will show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and he will show it unto you. The mandate, the function, and the operation of the Holy Spirit must be understood. We must know the work and the dealing of the Spirit of the living God. We must know how the third person of a triune God functions and how he operates and what his purpose is. He shall not speak of himself. His purpose is only to glorify one and that man whom he'll glorify is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Anything outside of that, he's not interested Whatever the activity, no matter how grand or how great or how busy we may become, but if it's not for the purpose to glorify the Lamb, the Holy Spirit will have nothing to do with it. He is essential in every aspect of the works and the dealings of God. I want you to look at it this morning. Some of this is basic, but it's important even to come back to the basics in the day in which we're in. Not one man or woman or boy or girl can be saved without the operation of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, if you turn to John chapter 3 and verse 8, I want to work through some verses this morning. John chapter 3 and verse 8, Jesus said that the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, 
but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it go. So everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now I want to tell you, friend, this morning, this is more than a decision. This is more than a hand up in a meeting. This is more than attending a church or being part of a denomination, regardless of the label that you may have been born with. This is a supernatural work of the Holy Ghost. This is known by the born-again experience. It must be an operation of the Holy Ghost. It's a supernatural work. We have countless people that sit in church buildings every week but have never come to know Christ as Lord and Savior because the wind has never blown. They may be uh, have their name in the membership of the church. They may be faithful members. They may do the flowers. They may do all sorts of things, but they've never been born of the Spirit of God. It is essential that a man or a woman is born again. That requires the power of the Holy Spirit. They're born of the Spirit. He speaks and will bear witness that a man or a woman or a boy or a girl are born again. If you turn over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. It's what the Bible says. For as many, Romans 8, 14, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now listen to verse 16. The Spirit itself, will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is a witness. This is, a one, this is the first thing that should be in the heart of any human that responds to God. There might be a hand up. There might be a decision. There might be those things may happen. But what's crucial is that there is a work of the Holy Ghost and a heart that a man or a woman or a boy or girl is so careful with these things that they're born again. And what happens? There is a witness that they've been born of the Spirit of God, that they are the children of God, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. You know you've been saved. You're born of the Spirit. There's a witness. It goes beyond all the denominationalism. You might be a great Pentecostal or a great whatever, but you're born of the Spirit, and there's a witness in your heart. We can have no identity. This word identity is everywhere. But here's the identity for us. We can have no identity with Christ without the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, just a few verses back, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of, spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's simply it this morning. That's our identity. 
that I'm born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, my name's written in heaven, and there's a witness in my heart that I'm saved this morning. They might argue, they might tell us we're whatever, but friends, there's a witness in your spirit that you're born of the Holy Ghost. He is the liberty and the freedom in Jesus Christ. Back to the beginning of the chapter in Romans 8, it says these words, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Are you free this morning? Do you understand it's the spirit, it is the spirit of life in Christ that brings the revelation that I'm free. I'm free this morning. I'm a free man. I'm washed in the blood. I'm born of the spirit. I'm free this morning. This world's in bondage, but we are free by the power of God. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says these words, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There is liberty. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the liberty of the Spirit, brings the revelation that Jesus sets prisoners free. Jesus changes lives. Jesus brings peace to troubled minds and troubled hearts. It is Jesus this morning that calms our our spirits and brings hope into the midst of a hopeless situation. It is Christ, the Spirit of life. Paul informs the Galatians who were being trailed back into the entanglement of religion that they would stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free. Religion and often denominationalism will bring us into bondage, into form, into death. But Christ has come to make us free this morning, to deliver us from religion. That's man trying to reach God. But when the Holy Ghost comes down and he floods a room with his spirit, it's freedom. You're set free. The kingdom of which we're a part is not meat and drink, but is righteousness, peace, and is joy in the Holy Ghost. Are you happy to be saved? David sang the song this morning. I was nearly going to stop him. I know I don't really know the actions, but I've seen Andy and Ruth do it many, many a time. With Christ in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. I was nearly going to get all the kids up to do it for us and all do the actions. But friends, are you happy to be saved? Are you happy to be saved? I mean, the call, I know people have stood in this alley and say, oh, you the happy, clappy bunch. Well, we are happy, clappy because we're saved. Why would you not be happy that you're saved this morning? It's good to be happy in Jesus. To live a glorifying life. And that is our purpose. That's why we're still on the planet. That's why we're saved. And everything that we do is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. But to do that, it's impossible to do it without the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 15 And verse 8, Jesus said these words, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Disciples bear fruit. What is that fruit? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit So without the Spirit of God, how do we glorify the Father? No matter if doctrines, statements of faith and denominations refuse to bring in the necessity of the Holy Spirit, 
Whenever it is said, the word of God is true, herein is my Father glorified that you and I would bear much fruit. Do you want to live a Christ-glorified life? The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there's no law. It is the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. How does this happen? Unless we're led by the Spirit of God, unless we're filled and moving in the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit cannot be evident in our life. He is, the Holy Spirit, is the exceeding greatness of the power of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you turn to it, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 says these words, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Who raised Jesus from the dead? It was the Holy Spirit. And set him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this world but also in the world that is to come. The exceeding greatness of his power comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit, listen to this, that intercedes for us. We know the Son intercedes at the right hand of the Father. But if you have an infirmity this morning, the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, intercedes on our behalf. Romans chapter 8, if you go back to it please for a moment, verse 26, this is what it says. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans 8 and 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, which is all known by all of us, but those previous verses are crucial. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. The Spirit helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, our flaws in our lives the Holy Spirit will actually groan with an intercession that cannot be uttered. There's the groanings of the Spirit. Do we need to know the Holy Spirit and how He works? He is the one that quickens. In Romans 8 and verse 11, it says these words, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells within you. Do you need your body quickened? That is the power of the Holy Ghost quickening your natural being. If you're here this morning tired and weary and downtrodden of sickness and fatigue and everything else, 
There is the Spirit of God that dwells within you. The Bible says, He that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He can quicken your mortal body, that you can be quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's great news this morning. He is responsible. This is the Holy Spirit. This is His mandate. This is how He functions. But this is important as we're coming towards the end of time. He is responsible for the gathering of the bride to change it and to present it to the Son glorious without spot or without wrinkle. He, the Holy Spirit, will be the predominant. You know, you ask the question, how is this all going to happen? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will be the predominant supernatural power at work when the saints go marching in. At the end of the age, at the end of the age, which I believe we're close to the end of the age, it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit that he will gather a bride out of this earth to present that bride to the Son, that's the Lamb, without spot or without wrinkle. In John chapter 5, verse 28, you might hear many voices, but you really don't want to miss this one. John chapter 5, verse 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, Jesus said, in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. They shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that done evil, unto the resurrection of of damnation. There's a day coming. Marvel not at this, the Lord says, but everybody that's in the grave, they're going to hear a voice. They may have heard that voice sitting in meetings like this many times, but they rejected that voice. They will recognize that voice. They've heard it through preachers. They've heard it through Sunday school. They've heard it through children's meeting. They've heard it through gospel literature for many years. But they continually reject that still small voice that speaks into their heart that they're to come to be born again. But there's one day you'll hear that voice. I pray this morning that everyone in this room will hear that voice. They that have done good, they that have given their life to Jesus, they're going to hear that voice and they will raise that resurrection of life. But they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. We're coming to the end of the age. The predominant force that's going to work in this earth is not the Antichrist, although that is going to be a force in the last days, but the predominant force is going to be the Holy Ghost. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 14, the Bible says, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. There's going to be a meeting in the earth. There's going to be a supernatural gathering out of the earth. Everyone that's saved 
everyone that's born again, everyone that bears witness with the Holy Ghost has an inner witness. Not that they go to church, not that they're a good Pentecostal or Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist, but everyone that's born again of the Spirit of God, everyone that is born, that the Spirit of God dwells within them, they are going to hear His voice. My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice. I know them. That's the bearing of the witness. What do they do? They follow me. They follow me. How do you follow Jesus? Because you follow him in his word. That is what it is to be led of the Spirit of God. It's simple. It's basic. We complicate it. We hear all the different language, especially in Pentecostal circles. The Spirit said to me, the Spirit's leading me, and none of it lines up with God's Word. It's not the Spirit. It's their human spirit being led of their flesh and their carnality and their carnal mind. But we want to be led of the Spirit, and we want to live a life that glorifies Jesus. How is it possible? By the power of the Holy Ghost. There is an hour that's coming in which all that are in the graves are going to hear his voice. Listen, all that are in the graves, every grave in Balnehenge is going to hear a voice. Every grave in Balnehenge is going to hear a voice. Some may have headstones, some may have statues, some may have crucifix, some may have statues of Mary, some may have the flags of this country. But friends, every person that's in the grave and the seas are going to hear a voice, and that is the voice of Jesus. How does it happen? By the power of the Holy Ghost. He that raised up the Lord Jesus shall also shall raise up also us by Jesus. And what will he do? He will present us with you. We're going to be presented as the bride. In 1 Corinthians 15, if you turn to it, Paul writes and says these words. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Did you hear that, friends? We shall not all. That means some people, and I believe it's possible that it could be everyone in this room that's saved. Everyone that's saved in this room. We'll not all sleep. In other words, we'll not all die. But there will be a people that are on this earth when Christ comes again. But one thing you must know for sure, whether you're in the grave or whether you're walking, as Frank said last night, I'm on top of the grave. That's what he said. Instead of saying top of the word, but he was right. He's on top of the grave. Praise the Lord, because grave has no power over him. He's just passing through into God's eternal bliss. Listen this morning. We shall all be changed. Listen, all of us are going to be changed. Everyone that's in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Anybody want to be changed? I want to be changed. Praise the Lord. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. How does it happen? Listen carefully, this is how it happens. I know church doctrines have nothing, some denomination have nothing on the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Nothing in their statement of faith about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Ghost is going to change them. By the supernatural power of God, He's going to change them in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Philippians 3 and 21, He says, He'll change our vile body. I'm sorry this morning if it offends you. In a world that's so full of vanity and, and the outward appearance, but the Bible calls our bodies vile. He'll change our vile bodies that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. Are you ready to be changed? In 1 Corinthians 6 and 14, it says these words, And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us by his own power. We're going to be raised supernaturally by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's important that we know the mandate, the working, and the operation of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that even when we're dead in sins, has he quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved? And do you know what it says that he's done? He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How does that happen? When the Holy Ghost takes us out of ourselves, out of our despair, out of our doom, out of the natural, out of all that we see, but he lifts us up into the heavenly places with Jesus. Do you want to be lifted out of this? You can be lifted out of us and still live in this world when you can be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now in creation, if you follow this with me this morning, in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, you know the verse as well, if you want to turn to it, I'd appreciate it, Genesis 1 and 1, it says these words, in the beginning, in the beginning, there was a beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form, void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Bible says that the Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, all of those terms that we use, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I mean, it's awesome. Creation is an awesome thing. In the beginning, there was and there is a beginning. Let me tell you also, friend, there's also an end. Now, the Spirit of God hovered or moved upon the face of the waters. You know that God said, let there be. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, the word by God, by Christ. And when God, when He spoke those words, let there be, that's Christ, the Word it was the Holy Ghost that brought everything of creation in the operation. Everything. Everything that you see by the Word of God, by Jesus Christ, but by the power of the Spirit of the living God. It says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
In the Hebrew, the Spirit of God simply means Ruach Elohim, that is the wind of God or the great wind. The great wind. I tell you, friends, we need a great wind. We need a supernatural breath of God. As Tommy Taylor often prayed, with his head in his two hands, he prayed it last week again, oh, for a breath of God across this land. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. The Ruach Elohim, the great wind, the wind of God began to blow and brought everything of what we enjoy in creation into being by Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come and they were all with one accord and they were all in one place, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. That's the Holy Ghost. It filled all the house where they were sitting. It appeared unto them, cloven tongues as of fire. Is there anyone who believes this? That the wind of God blew. The Ruach Elohim blew into an upper room. 120 people washed in the blood from every different background, ignorant and all learned, if that's what you're in this morning. Praise the Lord. Simple enough to believe it. The wind of God blew into an upper room, filled the whole house where they were sitting, and filled every one of them with the power of the Holy Spirit, the wind. How we need the wind to blow. How our land is in desperate need of a supernatural intervention by the Almighty God. How we need again, and I believe the Spirit of God is here. Jonathan prayed it. I believe Jesus is here in the midst by the power of His Spirit. But how we need a manifestation of the power and the wind of God to blow again. If it was that wind, and it is, and it was, if it was by the power of the Spirit that all of creation was brought into being by Jesus Christ, and it was the same Holy Spirit that came when Christ was glorified into an upper room and filled the house and filled everyone in it, how much we need the wind of God again. The Holy Spirit is given as the promise of the Father. It's a promise to the church of Jesus Christ. John said in Luke 3 and 16, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one mightier than I. That's the Lamb of God, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. But see the Lamb? He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's the oil. He's the dove. He's the water. He's the river of life. He's the living waters. He's the spring. And he's the fire of God. And everything that he does, remember this, is to glorify one person. And that person is Jesus and Jesus alone. I want 
Do you want to live a Christ-glorifying life? Think about it. Do you want to live a life that glorifies Jesus? I know every believer that you're truly saved, that's what you want in your heart. I want to live a life that glorifies. But do we want to be a Christ-glorifying church? A church that has one purpose in everything that it does. We want to glorify Jesus. Remember what he said. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. He shall glorify who? Me. That's Jesus. He will receive of mine, show it to you, all things that the Father hath or mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and he'll reveal it to you. Do you know the saddest thing I believe in the day that we're living in that's become so evident, so evident in the modern church age, everything, everything, everything of what so much is being done is not for the glory of Jesus, but for the glory of man. Ministries are called after men. Buildings are called after men. Complexes are called after men. And yet the Holy Ghost will only glorify one, and his name's Jesus. Worship has been about worship, but not about Jesus. We have come to a tragic place. But if there's one humble heart that says, I want to live a life that glorifies Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the Ruach Elohim, will come on your heart and fill you with his power, and you will glorify Christ. Are you simple enough to believe it? How could it ever be possible that we become so, I'm going to use the word deceived, that we can live a Christian life without the Holy Ghost? You don't think that happens? We're living in a country that's filled with that. That we can have church without the Holy Spirit. That we can function and do all our ministries without the Holy Ghost. We can do it without him. We don't need him. And yet Jesus said, it's only him that knows how to glorify me. No one else but this Holy Spirit. How could it ever be possible that we come to such a place where we can do it without him? I want to tell you, friends, we need the Holy Spirit. The sad reality for so much today is a lot of the church are no longer guided by, taught by, led by, or moving in the Spirit of God. It's a sad reality. Not everyone, and not every church, but so much of it. It has become so dead, so barren, so dry. So empty, so void of the life, the spirit of life, the liberty of the spirit, the power of God that sets prisoners free, praise God, heals broken lives, heals wounded spirits, brings peace to troubled souls. That's by the power of the spirit of God. We have a form and we have a name that we live, but we're dead. We have much form. But there's a reality 
of the wind, the great wind of God. Not only do we need him, but I want to point you just in these last few moments, because this is crucial. Could I use the word critical? You need to exercise the faith that has been given to you in the power of the Spirit of God to function and to operate in the Spirit in these last days. It's not going to work any other ways. Why? Because we're all believing in the demonic strongholds, powers of hell that have unleashed themselves on our nation. I'm going to tell you something. A form of godliness has no match to that. A form of religion or a denomination, Pentecostal or whatever it is, is no match for what's taking place. But I want to tell you there's one that's more than a match, and his name's Jesus. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that his people will stand. You may not believe we go through the tribulation and all the rest. I do believe that. So I believe this morning we need to be prepared to stand in the day that which we're coming into. How am I going to do that? Because I'm a great, big, strong fella? No, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. The coordination, the operation, the function, this is a great plan. This is awesome. But the whole coming together and the operation and coordination of the second coming of Jesus Christ is all possible and will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's about to come. Listen, he's about to come. This whole function of that is only going to take place by the power of the Holy Ghost. What's going to happen? There's a wonderful story. You don't need to turn to it, but you can read it in Scripture. But it's a story found in Genesis chapter 24. And it's a story of when Abraham sends the servant to go and fetch a bride for his son. It's one of the great stories in Genesis chapter 24. You read it when you go home. And the servant goes and searches out in that land a bride for Isaac. And he bestows upon that bride the gifts and all the blessings that attracts her and woos her because she's about to meet the bridegroom. The Bible tells us, Genesis 24, that Isaac goes out at the eventide to meditate on the field. What a picture. This is a picture of the bridegroom coming for his bride. This is a picture of Christ as he, as he would stand up, as it were, off that throne. And as he comes, as the Father appoints that time, and all the host of angels in heaven, and, and Jesus Christ begins to make his way towards, towards that bride. It is the Holy Spirit that will prepare in the hearts of his people across all the denominational divide. Everyone that loves Jesus Christ and is born of the Spirit, they'll have a witness in their heart that we're living in the days where Christ could come even tonight. There's a witness. You meet believers from every divide and they have the same witness in their heart. We're living in the last moments of time. I just want to be ready. What happens at that glorious moment is that the servant, that's the Holy Ghost, is going to gather a bride out of this earth 
I believe there's a preparation already taking place across the body of Christ, across the world. There is a witness in our spirit that Jesus Christ is coming, and he's coming soon. There is a longing to leave this old sin-cursed world with all its depravity, with all that it wants to do. There's something within us that says we don't belong here anymore. We do want to leave this world, but then there's another side of us that says, my God, we don't want to leave because there's still loved ones aren't saved. There's still sons and daughters that are not in. There's still mothers and fathers that have not been born of the Spirit of God. There's still sisters and brothers, and they're not ready if you come. And so, in some ways, we're between two places We know we have to live a life. We know we have a mandate as the church of Jesus Christ. We'll look at that next week. That we must bring them in and tell them and warn them and plead with them. But Christ is about to come. And so we're looking and as the preparation takes place, the servant begins to bestow the gifts upon the body to make the bride ready. Because she's about to meet the bridegroom. And from across this world, from the mountains, away up in the Himalayan range, up into the north and the south poles, across the continents of this world, God's people are beginning to prepare themselves for the coming of the bridegroom. The Spirit of God is wooing hearts and dealing with people because, friends, in a moment, when that trumpet sounds, we are all out of here. And then we come... And we shall see Jesus. Our eyes, the faith, shall suddenly give way to sight. And there we'll behold the Lamb. The one that we have loved. The one that we have longed for. The one that we have prayed to. The one that we have worshipped. The one that we have served. The one that we glorified. The one that there was a fruit produced in our life by the power of the Spirit of God. Suddenly, we're going to see him. The bride has made herself ready by the power of the Holy Spirit and the preparation. And suddenly, we'll see him. Oh, friends, what a moment that's going to be. She lighted off that camel. She fell at his feet. She had, she had longed for that moment. And, friends, that's exactly what it will be. I wonder, friends, I wonder how many in this room are truly ready. Sing the songs. We tick the boxes. We know the stories. We've got so much of the form. But have you got a witness in your spirit? A witness. That's the sign. That's the indicator. That's someone who's born and led by. There's a witness. Do you feel the witness? Do you sense the witness? I think it might have been John that said, we feel the tug of our hearts. He's saying, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. We're about to go. And if we don't, and if we die in this scene of time, and if we bury our bodies in the grave, we're absent from the body and we're present with the Lord. And friends, this is a mystery. 
But when that trumpet sounds, all those bodies that are in the grave shall be raised incorruptible. It is an awesome moment. But all those that have no witness, all went to church for years. I tell you, I'd never save you. It's good to go to church. That's a spirit-led life to be in fellowship. That's a spirit-led life to be in fellowship. But I went to church for years. I was this, I was that, I was the other. Let me tell you, friends, those things are good. Unless a man is born again, he cannot. It's the Spirit of God. He's coming. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the great wind to blow again. When he comes, there's a glorious bride. That's what he deserves. That's what he's preparing. That's what he's come for. To gather a bride out of this earth. Friends, it could be any moment. It could be today. It could be tonight. It could be before the last amen is said in this room. But are we ready? That's all that matters. Are we ready? Let's pray together this morning.